Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. And welcome back to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm humbled and excited to be joined by Mary Kelly today. Mary Kelly is the CEO and founder of Productive Leaders. She spent 25 years on active duty in the US Navy as an intelligence and logistics officer, mainly in Asia. She retired as a commander and has a PhD in economics and is often found in the dogs and wine. Productive Leaders, they talk about why leadership matters, now more so more than ever how to align people with your vision, mission, and goals, why so many really good people fail as leaders. Now, each of her 13 different books has its own wine label. So in case you're wondering, Mary prefers red, but she's not too fussy. Mary, a very warm welcome to the show. How are you doing? Sam, I'm so excited to be with your people here today, and I'm hoping to provide them with some very actionable takeaways on what they can do to increase their sales, their marketing, and overall improve the profitability of their business. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it, Mary. So as we said just before we started our chat, there's three main audience usually that listen to this show. So it's marketing professionals, sales professionals, and business owners with a few in between as we, as we go. So we would love to learn your story. So if you get a snapshot of kind of where you grew up, some of the key businesses you've been involved in and a few of the takeaways, as you mentioned, um, and then we'll get into the juicy part, your business growth secrets um, and your digital marketing and marketing and general strategies that can help all of our listeners and everyone tuning in to, to be successful in sales and business. So yeah, if we could take it from the top and learn a bit more about yourself, please, Mary. Hey, thanks so much. So I grew up in Texas in the United States. I have an older brother, a younger sister, and a younger brother, and all four of us joined the U.S. military. Uh, When I was seven years old, my dad had a business, and I would go to trade shows with him. So at seven years old, I learned how to sell at trade shows. At 10... I know, right? My parents would leave, you know, I had little pigtails and little freckles and all that. My parents would actually leave me alone at the expo booth, which, you know, of course you couldn't do now because that would be horrible. And I would write orders and I just thought that was totally normal. And I really liked it. So I loved the business of business. I was very fortunate. I was one of the very first women to go to the U.S. Naval Academy back in the 80s when that was just kind of a thing. And I didn't realize that was a big deal at all. Um, Then I became an intelligence officer in the U.S. Navy and I went to Asia. So I spent the next 17 years of my life in Asia doing intelligence and logistics. And I ran military bases in terms of intelligence as well as shipyards. And I was a chief of police at one time. I was an HR huh. director. I know, right? Any job. <laughs> See, I realized that uh, for some of my international audiences, um, you know, they think Americans love guns. I grew up in Texas. We're kind of issued a gun when we're born. I say that as a joke, but a lot of people believe that. And I was a chief of police and that did involve, you know, our normal policing things. But I was also responsible for the Navy's weaponry, like big weapons, like missiles and things. So that's kind of a deal. But I got to run bases and that's where, including shipyards, and that's where I got to be involved with not only people of, in my, the shipyard I worked on, we had about 32 different countries and languages represented in terms of employees. So I've been fortunate to lead diverse teams in a variety of different countries. And when we do military exercises, you know, you really, 
it's easy to work with somebody who speaks the same language as you and you kind of have a shared culture. That's very easy. But when you're in Asia, you might be in operating out of Singapore with uh, a German boat and a US plane and a Japanese plane and you're all trying to speak English and all trying to cooperate. And oh, by the way, there's 17 other countries involved. So it's really a lot to- That sounds tough. Yeah, it's, but it's really great fun. And you learn something every single time. And I was fond of saying, we're all going to get together and we're going to have this brief in a variety of different languages. And then we're going to go out and do these military exercises and try really hard not to kill each other. <laughs> and, and it was exciting, but a little bit dangerous. And it was something that we take really seriously. So one of the lessons uh, you talked about before we, we started the show was one of the lessons I learned from that was that you really have to take other people's perspectives into consideration. And just because you think it's really clear to you doesn't mean it's clear to everybody else. And certainly when, you know, I'm, I'm passable English. That's like my best language, passable English. I can understand a smattering of other languages, but I sure would not want to base my career off of my understanding of other people's languages or my interpretation of what it is they're telling me. So I think this is really clear. We have to see through other people's perspectives, especially if we're in business. Our message may be very clear to us in terms of our marketing, in terms of our value proposition, but that doesn't mean it's hitting home to our target audience. So I got to do that, and that was uh, great fun. As sure. Said, so could we dive yeah. a little bit more into that? So that's, that's a that. great point in terms of understanding other people's perspective. And that's, that's something that's, that's often tricky. So if we relate that to a sales perhaps environment, when we're talking to new customers, pitching them our products or services, and we, we don't know what kind of day they've had, we don't know if they had a really bad day, if something terrible has happened to them the day before, if their pet died, or whatever it may have been. So have you got any tips in terms of how we can understand where our customers are actually at, um, which, which you may have picked up in, during your time in the forces, Mary? Yeah. So for example, if you're the boss or you're just walking in to see a customer and you say, how was your day? Well, the standard response, good, great, fine, brilliant. That doesn't tell you anything about their reality. And right now, you know, we're kind of in the middle of this global pandemic. So whether we like it or not, more people are feeling stress and overwhelm and maybe they're still trying to do their job in as best a way as possible, but we've got to gauge how they're really doing. So I like to ask people questions that are not monosyllabic answers that maybe a teenager might give you when they're coming home from school. Good, great, fine. I like to say, so Sam, on a, on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being quite terrible and 10 being fabulous, never better, where is your day today? How are you doing today? And now you might say, well, you know, I'm actually a bit of a two because, you know, my dog died over the weekend or, you know, my mom's been sick or something like that. But if you say nine, I have been so lucky because I just had this new baby and Finn is so cute and I'm so excited that I get to be home with him. So it's a nine, even though I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Now you're opening the door for active dialogue. So give people some kind of metric parameter. And sometimes they're going to say 10 because they don't want to have any weakness. But you can ask the question, hey, how are the people around you doing right now on a scale of 1 to 10? And again, that opens the door for the dialogue. So some people may say, 10, my sales team has never been more productive. And other people may say, kind of a 4, we've really been struggling with this, this, this. And now you know what's going on. So you can ask for them on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing? 
But then you can also ask, how are the people around you? And then if you feel comfortable with them, you can also say, so how is your family dealing with all of the changes that are going on right now? And again, they may see they're at 10, but they may say my family's at a two or, oh gosh, you know, I've got six kids and they're all home from school right now because we haven't been able to go to school. And all of a sudden you say, wow, that six people plus you, plus your spouse or your partner, you're all trying to share a computer. This must be quite challenging. And then they say, yes. And the internet went out. And then we had a water main break. And then the electricity went out. Or all of a sudden, now you have better understanding. And many of my sales teams, they don't take the time to get past the good, great, fine. And again, we have to find a way to really get inside other people's heads in a way that is sensitive to their situation and not intrusive. Excellent. And that's, that's a really nice way. I've never really thought of that in terms of getting people to open up. It's effectively like using a thermometer scale. Where are you on a scale of 0 to 10? Um, cause it's, it's quite often something you, you hear sales guys use it when deals are towards the end, when they're doing their proposals, their presentations, their demos. Like, John, where are you on a scale of 0 to 10 in terms of being happy to proceed or not happy at all? And then you, you work the deal from there. But I've never thought of it as a, as a conversation opener to kind of build rapport and understand where your prospects are at. So I love that. Okay, Mary. So um, you're telling us uh, a few stories from, from your time in the Navy. So yeah, if we could carry on there and, and learn what was next for you, or if there are any more lessons that you could share during your sure. time. When I was a chief of police, one of the things we tried to do was to show the police as the good guys. And I realize that right now there's a whole lot of conflict around that right now. But one, one of the things my boss taught me was I said, you know, boss, I went into him with a list of characteristics after about 90 days on the job. And I said, hey, boss, here's the characteristics of this list. Here are three that I think I bring to your team. But I want to make sure I'm aligned with your mission, vision, goals. You know, for most of us, we only get that performance appraisal once a year. And I was new. I wanted to make sure I was on the right track. And many times, you know, we as supervisors, we don't want to say things to our people that makes them unmotivated or we want to give them feedback, but we're not really sure how to do that in that way. And I really wanted to figure out if I was on the right track and I wanted to make sure I was aligned to what he wanted from me. So I had this list, a list of words. And I said, so I think I, as your chief of police, I think I'm mature. I think I'm mission oriented. And I think in terms of how I do investigations, I'm very meticulous. For example, you know, we get the reports every morning and I'm very careful not to jump to assumptions just because there was the situation. I really dug into things. It helped that I was um, an investigator earlier in my career. And my boss looked at the list of characteristics that I had circled for me. And he said, yeah, see, that's not what I want. And I, I, it was kind of a Scooby-Doo moment, you know, the old cartoon Scooby-Doo where sure. the dog goes, rut row. And I said, well, <laughs> oh no, well, what do you want from me? And he said, I want you to be friendly obliging and cheerful. Now my job before that, I was doing counterterrorism where those were not exactly the same things. And I was taken aback and I said, are you sure? And he said, yes. He said, when you and your people arrive, I want people to go, oh good, the good guys are here. And a lot of police forces struggle with that in America, especially right now. So that really taught me that first off, we have to get inside our boss's heads because sometimes, guess what? All that experience they have, they're right. They know things that we don't know and they see things that sometimes we don't see. So there was a trust aspect there that I had to learn. But then the second thing was I went back to my team and I said, okay, we have our marching orders and we have to be friendly, 
obliging and cheerful. And that means more touch points. And this translates into business because in terms of sales and marketing and business development, you've got to have touch points with your people so that they see you as the good guys. You've got to be perceived as the people who show up with the solutions people need right now. At a time when they might be in crisis, you're the people they call. You're the problem solvers. And so that's kind of how I translated that lesson into my business world. So what I do right now as a tactic is every single month, I have a list of people I contact every single month just to remind them, hey, I'm one of the good guys and I'm here to help and I'm not trying to sell you, but you have to remember I'm a, I'm a resource for you and I maybe have a resource that can help you solve these problems. So I do, I have January, February, March, April, everything that I've done for my top people and the touch points I've provided to them. We are the good guys like that so essentially it's, it's keeping in touch with your existing customers was the lesson taken there so in terms of it's, it's a tricky one it's something we covered on this podcast a little bit mary in terms of keeping in touch with your customers something i'm guilty of from time to time not keeping in touch so when we're doing digital marketing strategies for clients i'll speak to them at the end of each month send through their report but perhaps not engaging with them as perhaps as much as i should do in between because um, things get busy, other stuff's going on, whatever it may be that gets us distracted. Now, is there any way we can keep in touch with our existing clients or prospects and, and not bug them? So actually give them values, give them something that's going to be of use or it's going to excite them or interest them. Right. I totally agree because a lot of times in sales, we don't want to bother them because we feel as though we're trying to sell every time we have that conversation. Um, and one of the reasons I think I'm, my business has done well is because I'm a... I don't view myself necessarily as a good salesperson. Like I have a lot to learn. I read all the sales books because I don't think I'm particularly good at sales. But one of the things we've been able to do fairly successfully is just provide value on a monthly basis. So I block out a day about the first week of every month and I block out those 30 or 50 people and I either write them a, a handwritten card. I have terrible handwriting so they know it doesn't come from Amen. a computer. I know, who, who would think that that would now be a good thing, right? And then in February, I sent them a copy of a, uh, I have a five minute series book. And so I sent that to everybody in February just saying, hey, I hope you like the new book. It's also on Amazon if you need more copies, but you can also just call me. I hope you're having a great day. So again, just value add. In March, I sent them uh, an article about their business. So I use some business intelligence search engines. I use Sam Richter's, for example. And I went in and I found of my 50 people I keep in contact with on a regular basis, I went in and found something about their industry or their business online. And then I just took that URL and said, dear Sam, hey, I thought this was really great that I saw your business highlighted in Forbes magazine. Congratulations. Or dear Sam, so excited that your podcast was named one of the top business growth podcasts to be listened to for 2020. Congratulations. And it was the URL. Well, all of a sudden, some of them didn't even know their businesses had been profiled that way. And because I have the Intel engine, I was able to go, to provide that value. And in other cases, they were like, oh, well, thanks. That's so nice of you. How are things going for you? Me. How's everything going for you? Well, you know, we did this and we laid some people off me. Oh gosh, is there something I can help with? I can maybe provide this or here's a form or here's this. It opens the dialogue because again, it's got to be all about them. And then in April, I, um, because things were a little bit rough with this global pandemic, I have a gal here in the United States and she makes these cookies and you would think cookies, it's kind of dumb, but I put their face on the cookie, like their face. So anytime That's you brilliant. get a cookie, it's really good. Um, 
And all of a sudden you get this cookie with your face on it and maybe your podcast logo. And people are like, this is the coolest thing ever. Here's the big thing. They never eat the cookie. They take the cookie, they show it to their friends, they put it in their freezer. See if it had my name on it or my face on it, they bite the head off. Who cares? It's a cookie, but it's got their face on it. So they bring it home, they show their spouse, they get excited about it. And it's got to be all about them. And again, that's one of the things that we have to do is get out of our own head and get into our contact's head. One of the other things I love to do is I love to find someone else's book or manual or something else, and I will send that to them. So I'll send an email. Dear Sam, um, hey, be watching your Amazon account for a new book on sales from my friend Mark Hunter. He just wrote this book called The Mind for Sales, and I think it's brilliant, and I think you might enjoy it. And they're like, oh, a present. And it's not my stuff. So if I send them my stuff, it's still, even though I think it's pretty good, most of it, you know, I've written a bunch of books, some are probably good, but if I send them somebody else's, it means that I'm really caring about them. So Got little it. things like that. Mm -hmm. Love it. That's, those are some things I've absolutely never thought of before. Some really nice, unique ways to connect with your customers. And it sounds like delighting them really. So like you said, the, the cookies, the sending them useful pieces of content, congratulating them if they've had a win, be it in business, be it they've got a podcast, a video, postcards. So a mix of offline, online and, and physical gifts to keep your customers delighted and, and really happy with what you're doing. And like you say, open up conversations. Really love it. Cool. Okay. So yeah, pressing on, um, Mary, was, was there much more in terms of your, your Navy career until you decided to like, take the leap and start your own business? Well, I was a professor back teaching at the Naval Academy and the my boss, who is the admiral, everybody always wants the admiral to come and talk to groups. Well, my admiral at the time wasn't really a people person. Best thing ever for me, because anytime somebody needed a speaker for a group, they would call me instead of the admiral. So that worked out quite well for me. And at one of those events, somebody said, you know, we'd really like you to come talk to our group next year. You know, but at the time I was still in uniform, I'm still in the Navy. I said, well, I'll be a civilian then. And they said, oh, good, then we'll pay you. And I went, you'll pay me? Well, this is a good idea. So I thought, well, okay. So I just swapped that uniform for this uniform. It's kind of this, you know, in some ways it's the same thing. You know, I wore a black jacket and a white shirt and that's still kind of my standard thing. Sometimes I spice it up with pink. <laughs> and I got, I was able to then get a broader reach of audience because I was perceived as being a public figure without an agenda. And that built up a level of trust. And that's one of the things that I got to talk to people about was we oftentimes see people get promoted into positions and all of a sudden they're not successful. Well, why are they not successful? Well, partly is because they inadvertently sabotage their own success by breaking trust with the people they're leading. And people do it by mostly miscommunicating. And that was one of the key things I learned, again, when you're trying to deal with people from 32 different countries, communication is key. And again, in the military, we can't miscommunicate because it could cost lives. It's very dangerous. In business, if you don't, if you don't get the, the order right, you know, maybe your latte is vanilla instead of chai, or maybe, you know, uh, you got the wrong window coverings or something like that. Well, in the military, the stakes are a little bit higher. And I'm not saying that business is not important. It is. But our mistakes are simply more costly. And many times I've found people in business tend to gloss over some mistakes when those mistakes are actually great ways to look at how you can improve your process so that you're improving what it is people need from you. And in terms of leadership, leadership really matters. 
we have to make sure that we, we keep that trust that people give us. Trust is implied and assumed until you break it, unless you're in a, a tough situation where maybe somebody's been fired. And then a Got lot it. of times leaders, they, they break that trust because they're not communicating as much as their people need. And what people need to understand, especially right now, that in times of crisis, uncertainty, challenge, and change, people need more communication. Excellent. Well, that's definitely something that rings true. And I, I think a lot of us being guilty, again, myself, of um, in terms of communication side of things, when something can be explained very, very quickly over a phone call, we're guilty of we've got a stack of emails, we've got a stack of tasks for the day, and we think, oh, we'll just send this email, we'll just get this done, when in fact it would have been a lot clearer to explain something, maybe with a customer about a project that you're working on over the phone rather than sending an email. And it could be that there's 10, 20 emails back and forth when you could have just hammered it out in one 10-minute phone call. So that's, that's something that rings true. In terms of, you mentioned building confidence um, as well, Mary. Have you got any tips or hacks in terms of being able to build confidence with people that you're looking to do business with? Yes, allow for mistakes. Confidence happens by doing. One of the things in the military they teach us is if we expect you to jump off that tower, you don't, you don't build the confidence to do that by going, good job, Sam, good job, and cheering for somebody. That doesn't give you confidence. What gives you confidence is climbing up to that tower and making the jump. And all of a sudden, once you realize, oh, I can do it, now you know you can do it. It's like running a marathon. A lot of people don't run marathons because they think, well, why? I mean, it is quite silly. But the second part of this is, well, I can't do it. Well, how do you know you've never tried? So we, in business, we try to encourage people in my company to try. And trying sometimes means failing. You have to be okay with trying and failing. That's the key to entrepreneurship. And once somebody does it and they do it well, you reward that good behavior, but you also applaud the effort and the innovation that went into all those other failures. You're like, okay, that wasn't quite right, but I want to try this. That wasn't quite right. What else do you think we should do? That wasn't quite right, but I like the path we're on. So provide people the encouragement, but also that safety net, because I would rather people try and fail than not try at all, just stay in status quo, stay in that safety lane, and, and not, not push forward. We need innovation, we need great ideas. So I love the idea that we build confidence by being very accepting of the failure and the effort that goes into those ultimate successes. Got it, really like that. And as, as the old saying goes, nothing real, really great happens within your comfort zone or something like that anyway. <laughs> it, it doesn't, and we've gotta be okay with that. And right now, especially, we need solutions. And in sales and marketing and business right now, we are the leaders of innovation. And playing it safe is not gonna get us anywhere. We've gotta be innovating, we've gotta be creative, we've gotta be looking past the cracks of what was okay before. You know, Here in the United States, we've had 10 years of great economic development. And all of a sudden, 2020 started out really great, and now not so much. There's a big spotlight on the cracks of our business. And if we just say, oh, but good enough was good enough for 10 years, all of a sudden, we're going to be out of business in a year or two. We've got to be constantly innovating, constantly pushing the envelope, and constantly trying. And that means some failure. Definitely. I agree. Completely agree. Right. Moving forward, Mary, um, what myself and everyone tuning in would love to know is the, the light bulb moment when you decided to, to go out on your own and start your own business and how it was for you, really, whether it was fairly easy, whether you already had a client roster that you'd acquired and you, you had a bunch of customers lined up ready to, to do business with or how you were able to scale it and how you were able to build up to where it is today, kind of 11, 12 years down the line. 
So I love the fact that I was so dumb about starting a business. So I had certain military skill sets. So I had focus, I had discipline. I knew how to create a vision, but I didn't know what I was molding until I started molding it like clay. And I think that's where a lot of businesses start. We think we're gonna go in one direction and then we, we start maybe in marketing and then we go, oh, maybe I wanna focus on digital marketing and maybe I need to help this. So we start, we start kind of molding our business and we try and we try and fail and we try again and we see where our sweet spots are. And I was very fortunate because I had, again, skill sets that translated quite well into the civilian world. I was used to dealing with big budgets, big people, moving big things. And I didn't know, I didn't know that failure was an option. And that sounds really silly, but I thought, well, you know, I'll try. And if I can't make this work in three to five years, I'll do something else. Like, okay, there wasn't really a downside in my head. I thought, well, you know, I'll figure it out along the way. And many people, I think, don't try because they, they can't get that clear picture in their head. And this is where I think many people need, you need a mastermind, you need coaches, you need advisors, you need great podcasts, you need great ideas. And for me, what I did is I, I read the business books. I took a couple of weeks and I thought, okay, who's been successful? We model after successful people. What did they do? What habits do they have? Okay, I've got most of those habits. I can do that. What I lacked in knowledge about the how to starting a business, uh, I made up for in hard work. And that sounds really corny, but I thought, well, okay, maybe I don't know how to do that. Maybe it's going to take me three hours to figure that out instead of one hour. So I figured it out. The other thing I did, and this is my one key, I hire people smarter than me. I find the most talented, smartest people possible, and I hire them. And I get them on my team. I, uh, there's something called the theory of efficiency wages. It's an economic thing. And you okay. hire the smartest people you can, pay them as much as you can, and they will repay that tenfold. So for example, I know how to build a website, but is that really the best use of my time? And in the very beginning, I, was, I spent about three hours on a Saturday and I could not get one thing on my website to go. And just out of frustration, I sent the link to my assistant uh, who is very technologically savvy. And I said, by any chance, no hurry on this, but if you could look at this and tell me what I'm missing, <laughs> not even three minutes later. And it was a Saturday. She sends it back and says, oh, Mary, do you mean like this? And I'm like, oh, that's why I hire smart people. And it was such a kick in the head because I knew to delegate, but I realized at that moment I wasn't delegating enough. So hire smart people, hire people better than you in the areas where you're deficient so that you can focus on the things you're great at doing. Completely agree. I had a, a similar case with the podcast, actually. I knew that my time was going to get sucked up just before we recently had a baby. So because um, I was spending a lot of time, it was actually eating into my business time, my selling time, my time with existing customers. And as we're trying to grow, we're trying to put out three episodes a week. I thought, look, I need I need some help. Luckily, I've got a friend that's very, very creative. So I was able to basically ring him up and say, look, Dan, can you can you help out with this? It's a few hours work a week. And at the time, he needed some freelance work. So it worked out nicely. But it's, it's so easy to just get sucked in and think, oh, I can do this myself. I can do a better job because I'm doing it personally. But what we don't realize is all the time we're wasting on it when we could be spending it on more productive things and basically making better use of our time. Cool. So that's, that's a great lesson. And I love the, the hiring smart people and mod, modeling after success, be it having a mentor, listening to podcasts, reading books, which I'm, I'm all for, for sure. Um, so perhaps we could learn about how, you, how you're actually able to, to find customers, Mary, build up a pipeline and, and bring on a new business. Perhaps you could share with us some of the marketing techniques, be them digital marketing or be it offline marketing on how you're able to scale your company. 
So two things on that, and thanks for that. That first, when I started doing things, every time I did something, I would put make a checklist. So I'm very process oriented because, but I'm not. So I say I am, but the reality is I'm not. I have to have the checklist in place because once I get a great idea, it could be gone forever. And once I do something right, I need to capture it right away so that I can replicate it later. So I do a series of what I call my five minute business solutions. I have about 80 of them. I took the top 52 and I put it into a book called five minutes per week per week and 52 weeks to building your better business. And the idea was you just focused on one thing that week, one five minute plan. It's one page, that's it. And it's five minutes. So if you're crystal clear on your vision, then the five minute vision plan, which helps you focus your resources, that will take you five minutes. But if you're not crystal clear, it's going to take you a little bit longer. And just because you're clear doesn't mean your team is clear. So this whole idea of being really clear so that we're not wasting resources, I think is key. And how I built the business was I align myself with people who were in kind of the same business as me. I'm a big fan of cooperative collaboration with your closest competitors. So for me, my closest competitors have been my biggest help. Back when I was uh, going to grad school and I needed some extra money to pay for grad school, I went to one of the big uh, publishing houses and I said, look, I realize that you probably asked for editors that are jobs that are way too small for you. I'm a really good editor and and I know that because now I hire my, uh, my editors because I can, I can write an article, draft an article, or edit the article. But if I only do two out of three, it's a much better article. And I feel most people are, should do that. But anyway, I said, look, if there's ever a job that's way too small for you, I know you, and here was the, the trick. I know you don't want to say no to your customers. I know you want to help your customers. So would you please kindly refer them to me? I will take these little bitty tiny jobs that you don't want to do. And so for my closest competitors, it was kind of like that. It was, hey, there may be an audience that is just not a good fit for you. My perfect audience is this. I know you don't want to say no to your customers, your clients. I know you want to help people. So that's an assumption I made. And nobody wants to say, of course, I, I don't want to help people. I'm a, I'm a horrible human being. I'm, an, I'm kind of, you know, not a very nice person. Nobody wants to say that. And everybody goes, yeah, okay. Like, you know what, if you would just steer them my way, I'd be very grateful. And that's kind of how I started. Again, okay. taking those customers that was just not a great fit for other people. And then by the same token, I keep a list of referrals and I use Referrals to me are like your newborn baby. Somebody lets you hold their newborn baby and you're standing there watching to make sure they take really good care of your new baby. So if somebody gives you a referral, you know they're watching. So you have to give them information. Hey, this is how it's going. You update them like, thank you so much for this referral. You cherish that referral like a newborn baby. And that then leads into more referrals. Once they realize, number one, you did a great job for my client. Number two, you kept me informed the entire way. And number three, you showed your gratitude for that referral by maybe a nice gift or helping me out on something else. And this is where I think a lot of people, they take referrals for granted. And I think that's a little bit tough. So I work cooperatively with my closest competitors. And when they get a job or I can get them a job, instead of feeling like, oh gosh, I lost that job to them, I'm genuinely happy that they got that job because I know there's enough pie for all of us. There's enough to go around for everybody. Brilliant. And yeah, we, I did something similar actually when in one of the marketing companies I worked at years ago before the, before the company actually had a pipeline, cause it was a brand new startup and um, they had no customers, barely had a website, barely had any online presence. So I was just cold calling pretty much competitors and essentially asking, 
if they needed like a partner for exactly as you say small jobs or anything they were too busy to do in-house um, all this kind of stuff then yeah a lot of people said they are fine but every maybe one in 20 30 40 calls would say yeah we have actually got something and over time we've built relationships and some of those cold calls I made years ago have given me some of my best projects today so it's really really fitting that you should say that because those relationships like you say if you if you nurture them if you're grateful and you keep um, in touch with what's going on, it, it does pay off in the long run. So completely, that really, really resonates with me. I'm sure a lot of people tuning in, if they haven't yet done that, that's, that's a great way to, to generate some work. I love that. I love that. And I'm a big fan of give, 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 and then give some more. So sometimes, it's, uh, what I did for some of my clients in March, April, May, when things were really tough here, and, and same where you are, I would call them up and I say, hey, um, I know that we, weren't, we didn't have anything scheduled during this time, but I know that right now you are bleeding money. So if you'd like me to get on a call with your sales team, I'd love to do that and I'd love to do it for free. And they're like, what? I'm like, look, we're all in this together. We're all hurting. Let's get through this. And I think I might be able to help you. So, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, that's really cool. I never sold anything. I never tried to sell anything. I didn't push a product, nothing. It was just, hey, I think I can help you. And they remember things like that. I think people really remember when you're the person who shows up when they really need you. Love those, love those too. And in terms of digital, Mary, have you had any success with digital marketing, be it LinkedIn, be it perhaps SEO, search and optimization, paid ads, or through your own website that, that have helped you drive inbound or new business? So you have to remember that when I got out of the military, um, because of what I did, we were not allowed to have social media accounts. So oh, right, I had to okay. start from zero, from nothing. So I started by, of course, the standards, the LinkedIn, the Facebook, the Twitter, you know, and then when Instagram, TikTok, all that came around, and then a YouTube channel. I had to start from scratch. So what I did was... Um, if you, and if you go to my website, ProductiveLeaders.com, there's a thing. If you've been to the site before and you didn't sign up for the newsletter, my website is smart enough to realize, okay, so you're not interested. We get that. That's fine. But so you get an offer once and it's going to be a good offer. It's going to be uh, for a free book. It's going to be reminders. It's going to be something. And for me, digital marketing is just a touch point. I do a newsletter every Tuesday, like clockwork, because I've got a wonderful, brilliant person who does that. I write the content. She makes it all pretty and sends it out. Left to my own devices, it would never go out. And I've used different email platforms uh, to do that. And I'm, I'm, I'm currently right now pretty happy with what I'm doing. And I, I try to do a preview of the article and then you can click to see the, the whole article. But there's something, there's teasers in there and there's always one of the five minute plans. There's maybe a video, there's maybe a webinar. There's always value add, but here's the big thing. Many people get very worked up about whether or not somebody opened it, how many clicks they got, how many likes, how many opens. I don't care about that. All I care about is, Sam, you heard from Mary this week. It just says, Mary Kelly on this, Mary Kelly on this. All I want you to know is that I sent you something. You can delete it, I'm perfectly fine with that, but once a week, I'm in your head, even if just for that second, so that it's a double coincidence of wants. All I'm reminding you of is what I do to help you. So for example, when I, when I moved out to, um, when I retired out of the Navy, I was in, in Annapolis, Maryland, which is close to Washington, DC. And then I moved out here to Colorado, mostly because of John Denver songs. I really had no, no real reason. So I, I had a house and I needed the floors refinished. So somehow I found this great guy named Jason. And I mentioned this on different shows because I'm hoping to find the guy again. He did a great job. I have no way of contacting him. I don't know his last name. I don't know his business. I know I paid him. It was 12 years ago, but he never stayed in touch with me. 
and now I want my floors redone, but I don't know this guy's name. Our job is to stay in touch with our clients and our customers so that when they need us, they remember us and it's easy for them to find us. It is not our client's job to remember us or stay in touch with us. It's our job to stay in touch with them. Love that statement as well. It's our job to stay stay in touch with customers. And yeah, it sounds like these points that you're driving are all about staying top of mind. I think something that resonates throughout this whole episode is delighting your customers, staying top of mind, and just providing value throughout different touch points. So it's, yeah, some really, some really great, great tips and tricks that we've shared, Mary. So that's, no, that's been great. And a newsletter is not something I've done a, a great deal of. Um, but yeah, perhaps something that, that I should look more into in terms of yeah, like you say, just being able to be present. It might not be that you'll get instant work from it, but six months down the line, when someone does need your service, they see your newsletter pop up. Oh yeah, I remember Mary, she talked about X, Y, Z. I think I'll get in touch with her because I need that. Brilliant. Um, to wrap up on that sort of things, Mary, are there any habits that you've got, any daily habits um, that have helped you to be successful or that you recommend anyone tuning in should, should start getting into? So I do, and it's on my website, um, I, I do a productivity sheet every single day. And on my productivity sheet, it's the date, like this was yesterday, um, it's Sunday, so I do them Saturdays, Sundays, holidays, it doesn't matter. So I do, I write Sunday, the date, and then it's calls to make, it's my to-do list, it's my appointments for the day, um, my, what I'm actually gonna accomplish, my follow-up, my short-term goals and accomplishments, which by the way, I almost never fill out. So I created this because I needed multiple sheets for different projects. It's on my website. It's a free download. It's a fillable PDF. Anybody can use it. I have a daily one. I also have a weekly one. I start every week with my weekly productivity sheet. The magic on that is the time in minutes. So a lot of times we procrastinate on something because we're just like, oh, I don't want to make that call or oh, I don't want to do that. You know, and we roll our own eyes at our own selves. Well, all of a sudden you look at it and go, wait a second, it's going to take you nine minutes to do that just get it done. So I'm very disciplined in that and I keep myself accountable by this. But also when I look at the jobs, maybe I haven't done, then I look at it and say, well, why haven't I done that? Is it because I don't want to? I don't like doing that. Um, and if it's one of those, am I the only one who can do it? Because if I'm the only one who can do it, I just need to put down the time and minutes it's going to take me, schedule it and get it done. If someone else is better skilled to do that, I need to delegate that to someone else or find someone, a contractor, somebody else to do that. And then, and sometimes I'll put something on there and go, okay, that was a good idea at the time. It's a terrible idea. Get it off the list. Just let it go. So I stay very organized. And then if somebody calls me and says, hey, did this get done? Or I can look at something and go, hey, that got done on Tuesday of last week because I know because I crossed off my list on that day. So I stay very organized in terms of my tasks, but I also have a strategic plan that is up on my whiteboard that I see every single day. And those daily habits to me uh, keep me very productive. I also schedule my day and I get up early and I work late. I work 12 hours a day. It's just how I'm wired. Not everybody does that, but I do. And I schedule things and I get things done. I try to stay organized, but then I get a really good idea. And I'm just as guilty as everybody else. Oh, a new idea, something shiny. And I chase that squirrel. Well, I also need to rein myself back in, but my team also has the ability to go, okay, you're holding us up. You need to get this done. And they have the ability to task me to keep me on track too. So we all need people to stay, to help us stay on track. And I use it with my productivity stuff. Um, and my team and I try to stay very organized while making sure that I've got time for those new ideas, new projects, uh, new clients, things like that.
Brilliant. Job lists, something that, yeah, something that's rung through for a lot of our guests. But what we've never heard before is putting a time associated with each job, which I really like. So then you can actually think, look, I've got to make this proposal. So that might take an hour. Um, I've got to speak to this client. So that might take 20 minutes. So I'm going to do a run at lunchtime, whatever it may be. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm especially guilty of I'll, I'll start writing down, I'll start working on a presentation or a demo. Then I'll get distracted because someone will message me on LinkedIn or someone will like a post or comment on a post. Then I'll go on that and I'll start scrolling in the feed. And before you know it, two hours have gone and I've got no, no more work done than I had two hours back. So actually setting a time and, and being strict on it and actually managing what you need to do for the day and getting rid of the terrible task is great. So I really like that. Excellent stuff. So Mary, this has been great. Um, what we do like to ask everyone that comes on is if you could thank just one person, either dead or alive, having a positive influence on yourself and your career, who would that be and why? That is a really tough question. So I love the I love the U.S. robber barons of the 1910s and 1920s in the United States. And this is the, the Rockefellers and the J.P. Morgan, you know, those, those robber barons because they were neither robbers nor barons. They all started penniless and they made their businesses grow by providing goods and services to people at a much lower price so that people had better accessibility to things that mattered for them. And this allowed us to take that great leap forward from living in rural environments without electricity and running water and all those things really into a more modern age. And they were such great examples of thinking like giants, like thinking really big. And this is where I think many of us limit our thinking. We think about our own little business in our own little place. We get very myopic. And especially during times of scarcity, we don't think big enough. And those robber barons of the progressive era in the United States, they really thought big. It taught me a lot. Fantastic stuff. And I love the the thinking big part of that. Well, this has been brilliant, Mary. You've been tuning in to Sam's Business Growth Show, where we sit down with business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe who find out their story, how digital marketing has helped along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your sales and your business. Mary, but just before we wrap things up, tell us a bit more about your company and the best way people can connect with yourself and get in touch. Well, I'm usually found, as I said earlier, near wine, so any bar and uh, near dogs. If you've got one of those, I'm going to find you on the street. But my company is ProductiveLeaders.com, and I'm Mary at ProductiveLeaders.com. But for your audience, if you go to ProductiveLeaders.com forward slash free, my productivity sheets are there. My business plan is there. My vision plan is there. All of those things I use all the time. I put them under free, mostly so that when I'm on the road, I can find them. And so I'm willing to, and happy to share them with your audience as well. Awesome stuff. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Thanks, Sam. It's been such a pleasure. Are you tired of constantly hunting for new customers? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities, all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising, but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn or book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales and business growth tips from the experts.